1: We still got it being finalized. Is that right, Ben? That's right. Gracious. <laughs> Good Lord. I'm sweating bullets over here. This is a long stone. uh this is a long list today, but there's so much going on. You know, we were gonna start and, and we'll get to it. Oh, we'll get to it. Bubba Wallace making comments in light of yesterday's news and others as well. A lot of people in the media. Uh, I mean, just some of the things I saw from people that I mean, we've had people on the show that we like, that we, you know, respect, and to a degree still do, uh, you know, just uh, tweeting some insane things after that announcement was made yesterday. And speaking of people tweeting things, Governor Cooper extending phase two, and now face masks are required to be worn in the state of North Carolina. Uh, we're going to have uh, Rick Henderson with us in a little bit, just minutes, actually, to discuss this. Uh, and we're going to also have, coming up in just a little bit, to uh, talk the golf. And, and there's been a couple of players, including uh, Brooks Kepka re- withdrawing today from the uh, Hartford. Uh, also, Graham McDowell withdrawing because of coronavirus concerns. Brian Mull uh, on uh, that. We'll, we'll get some HV3 talk in with him. Uh, some Web Simpson talk in and uh, preview that event with uh, Brian Mall coming up. Uh, let's uh, start, though, before we get to Rick Henderson uh, with the governor's announcement. This is the first cut on the list. This is the expansion of uh, phase two for three weeks. All right. We'll come back to our cuts here in just a minute. Let me know when they're ready. All right. We got it. Here we go. Cut uh, one again. Uh, Governor Cooper probably uh, About uh, two hours ago, announcing Phase 2 in North Carolina will extend for three weeks.
2: North Carolina will pause and continue our Safer at Home Phase 2 for another three weeks.
1: This is uh, also the second part of that announcement from today, that uh, they're going to have people wear masks in public.
2: I urge everyone to be a leader in wearing face coverings. I encourage businesses to be strong in enforcing it. Slowing the spread helps our economy, and these face coverings do that. And as we watch the trends during this pause, we hope to be able to ease restrictions on playgrounds, museums, and gyms on July the 17th, three weeks from Friday when this order expires.
1: Okay, so that is uh, the governor there. Uh, I, I think we might have got the same cut at the same time, Ben, uh, on there. But the we'll, uh, point is that the masks are, are being encouraged. Uh, so we're going to get Rick Henderson on. Let me know when Rick's available. Uh, we'll go to him to break this uh, down a little bit uh, further. Uh, there is a talk about what will be done to enforce the face masks. Uh, apparently, this will be up to your local... Uh, your local uh, sheriff, your local law enforcement, as to how they are going to uh, enforce it. Uh, Ben, do we have cut six queued up and ready to go before we get to Rick? Let's do that. Uh, This is uh, the governor talking about uh, face mask enforcement. And I want you to really listen to this, because this is not anything that is being put on the idea of, uh, you know, hey, guys, let's do this. Let's, Let's get into this together. This isn't one of those sort of uh, uh, ways about going about this. I mean, really, if you hear this, you kind of hear the lack of leadership, and and that it's a command. It's not really a thing that that uh, engenders that. Hey, we're we're going to beat this, and we're all in this together. It's a command that you must uh, do this, and how it's going to be enforced. So, play that cut really quick here, Ben. Cut six on the face mask enforcement.
2: Law enforcement can cite the business. For failing to have employees and customers in the public facing business. So they can be cited, the business can be cited for violation of this. And also, if a customer comes and the business says, You need to wear a mask, and the customer says, I'm not going to do it, then law enforcement can also uh, use trespassing laws and other laws that may have been violated to make sure the business is protected and the
1: customer is removed you know what's interesting about this to me is they're going to they're going to penalize businesses that that choose not to enforce this and you've already got a situation where he's vetoed a a bill that would uh, prevent some businesses from from i mean the bars can't expand restaurants can't expand bars can't reopen restaurants can't expand they're going through a tough time even though they're open uh, and then you're not going to, to be able to, if your gym open, I mean, there's another gym, I believe, in Greenville, it's, it's rumored to close, if not already announced the closing. Um, there's not a, a gym on the west side of where our studios are, are located. There used to be, but with Vidant closing uh, that gym, that there's no longer one on that side, which where a lot of people work in the medical uh, district. Uh, Rick Henderson is the uh, editor-in-chief of the Carolina Journal. We always turn to Rick because we like to bring on guys uh, that are smart on uh, certain subjects. And Rick, certainly on the uh, uh, ins and outs of uh, Raleigh and the governor's mansion. And uh, this uh, decision made by the governor today can give us some insight into this. Uh, Rick, just first of all, what reaction are you getting from uh, not only people in your business, but also from members of the population? Are they going to abide by this? Uh, getting a lot of more skepticism, Patrick, uh, for, from this. And thanks for having me on. Uh, you know,
3: I, I think that people, uh, I was listening to the debate, which is now going on in the House about overriding the veto, and uh, Representative Jason Sane of uh, Lincoln County said, people are sick and tired of being sick and tired. <laughs> I think that's what's actually going on right now, is that you're seeing a situation in which uh, now 47 states have reopened. Their gyms and fitness centers in North Carolina hasn't, and uh, the governor has extended the uh, the current uh, modified shutdown until uh, July seventeenth. Uh, you're getting tougher questions from the press about this because the governor's not been as forthcoming as he could be about uh, what actually is motivating his decisions. Uh, you're seeing a, just an incredible amount of, uh, of frustration because uh, the the question comes out: okay, if you're in a restaurant and you're having a drink at a bar in a restaurant, that seems to be okay. But if you are at a bar that doesn't sell food, it's not okay. And there just seems to be a a level of, of discrimination and, and a level of inconsistency that's really frustrating people.
1: You know, uh, in the East, uh, we don't really see those out in the street protests, uh, like they continue to see in places like Charlotte and Raleigh. But if you watch any of the triangle coverage, Rick. It maybe maybe I'm conspiratorial, I don't know. But I you know, I look at this and boy, we sure get a lot of, of protesters out in public on camera with the reporter there behind them. We never see these people's faces. Meaning we don't know if they're wearing masks. You know, right. is well, it some, fine to go, and go out in a are. Well, maybe <laughs> they are, but you wouldn't know that.
3: Right. Yeah. Well you're not and you're not seeing them identified, that's for sure. And you know, I think what's going on there you know, with with that that uh, you're seeing people. I mean, you know, we we could talk about the the monument pull downs if you'd like. You saw uh, any number <laughs> of people who could very easily be identified because they were on television, uh, not without being a mask for yeah. for uh, for engage, being, engaging in uh, acts of vandalism against state property. I mean, you the the, the level of enforcement and consistency uh, has been very low. And because of that, I think people uh, tend to uh, show frustration because they get, when they get singled out for enforcement, and those who aren't singled out for enforcement say, well, you know, why, why should we uh, you know, listen to what this guy says because uh, nothing's going to happen to us anyway. And so it, 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 makes, it, uh, it makes it very frustrating. And it makes it very difficult because people who are trying to abide by the rules are often the ones who get uh, sort of stomped on, uh, as Rick those Henderson bars is- and, and Jim owners are.
1: Yeah, Rick Anderson is the editor-in-chief of the Carolina Journal. Uh, the governor extending Phase 2 for three more weeks and also uh, requiring masks to be worn in public in the state of North Carolina uh, for, uh, I guess, that time period at least. Uh, my question to you is we played a little bit about the enforcement there. Uh, how will this be enforced? Uh, can it be enforced?
3: The enforcement uh, mechanism there in the, in the executive order uh, basically leaves it up to local law enforcement. So uh, the, the the governor is going to expect uh, sheriffs and police chiefs to enforce this regulation. And um, I have a feeling that probably in a lot of areas, sheriffs are not going to enforce it very vehemently. <laughs> <laughs> because after all, you know, they're elected, too. <laughs> so, at least the sheriffs are, not the police chiefs. But nonetheless, you're going to see, I think, extremely haphazard enforcement. Uh, I think that the mandate itself is more of a suggestion than a mandate. And uh, even so uh, businesses are, are, are allegedly going to be cited if they are not forcing their, uh, their customers or their employees to wear a mask, it's going to cause an awful lot of tension. The more, the more it is enforced in places that don't necessarily want to see this happen. Uh, you will see businesses that will say, we will not serve anyone who's not wearing a mask. They will say that up front. And that's good. Yeah. I mean, that's, Sure. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a, that's a property rights issue at that point. You know, at that point that's fine, but you'll have ones who are not going to be as adamant about enforcing it. And then you're going to see the you know arguments among customers. You're going to see all sorts of trouble in a situation in which the local law enforcement is in on the hook for enforcing a state mandate.
1: You know, um, if, if I'm out, I'll, I'll wear a mask. Uh, there's a part of work I do where uh, if I'm in someone's home, I'll, I'll wear a mask. Um, and I, and I have no problem with it at the beach, uh, wherever I have to be uh, in the east, wherever I will wear a mask. It's not a big deal uh, for me to put uh, some kind of face covering uh, on. But I don't I would not dream of shaming somebody who who chose not to, uh, you know, if the governor had come out you know, weeks ago because I mean, the White House, uh, Greg Murphy has said this, Representative uh, Congressman Greg Murphy has said this the white house is, is really baffled by the way they have handled this entire thing. Uh, they yeah. being, uh, Cooper and, and, uh, deputy sheriff Cohen. And so my right. question is, um, you know, had, you know, and this is a, a fascinating example in an exercise in leadership. Had he come out a couple weeks ago or a month ago, uh, or months ago and said, we really need you to wear masks, uh, in public spaces, particularly indoors. I think people would have gotten behind it. But I mean the way he commands them today, there's people who are just not going to do it because he's commanded them to do it.
3: Yeah, that's right. I think I think he's invested and squandered a lot of political capital on uh handling of this crisis. And yes, the the answer that uh, he gave today at the news conference was that uh there were some studies that came out in the past week that convinced him that all of a sudden a, a mask wearing mandate was important. Well, that's, Kind of nonsense. I'm sorry, uh, Doctor Anthony Fauci, the the as I call him the uh, the infection guru, um, essentially said uh, recently that one of the reasons that they weren't urging uh, universal mask wearing was that they were afraid that uh, people would hoard them, and that uh, you would run out of masks, and so that the people on the front lines who really needed them right up front wouldn't be able to get them, and so until we started ramping up production. Companies, much to their credit, started changing the way they produce things. They started making masks. And so now we're in the position where we have plenty of them available. And so Dr. Fauci said, that's one of the reasons we didn't – we said people should wear them, but we didn't say people must wear them because we knew that there weren't adequate supplies. And so we didn't want there to be a problem with that. And had the governor come out and said, wear a bandana. Wear some kind of face covering. You don't have to mm-hmm. wear something that's, that's, a, that's approved by the American Medical Association or whatever. Just wear something to protect yourself. Uh, had he done that long ago, long before uh, Secretary Cohen came up with the three W's, long before that happened and we went to Sesame Street or whatever what goes on with that. But nonetheless, no, long before that happened, had he just simply said, it's a really good idea. If you wear a bandana or some sort of face covering whenever you're outside, people would have respected that. And I think that and I think that the fact that now all of a sudden uh, people were anticipating, he said that he was going to announce that there was going to be the next round of reopening. Everyone was expecting it. Now he says, nope, going to have to wait three more weeks. And by the way, you've got to wear a mask. You know, I think he said today, again, this came up on the floor of the House. He said today, we're going to require everyone to wear a mask, but we're going to go to the next phase of reopening. People might have respected that more, too.
1: We've got um, Rick Henderson with us, editor chief, of the Carolina Journal. We're dead last in the state in how the unemployment office handles things. I, I, I got an email on something today about uh, about that. As uh, you know, an, an independent contractor in some of the work I do, you you know, they've just handled this terribly, and it's a it's a an enormous uh, you know boondoggle. I mean, it's just it's it's backed up. It's poorly run. And there was the woman, I guess, from Greensboro who bless her heart has been without any kind of, of paycheck, uh, employment security or, or job wise for, for months now, who kind of staged her own one woman protest, uh, in, right. in Raleigh the other uh, week, last Friday, I believe, uh, you know, does he expect some of these businesses to be able to hang on for another month? I guess he does.
3: I'm not sure well, how they're going to do it. Uh, that's I, unbelievable. I, 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 it really is. I I don't get it. I mean, the the employment office uh, division of employment security was certainly not prepared for what happened uh, when when the governor ordered essentially ordered uh, the shutdown and and through through the floodgates open within about forty eight hours of, of his first announcement uh, and that's I think the main reason that Lockhart Taylor who used to run the agency was reassigned because he said it in public. He said he said I, I got I got caught with my pants down basically with this by the governor and the office was in bad shape beforehand. It was not ready for it. And once again, we see, you know, an 11th hour decision to make a a change in the way businesses operate in North Carolina, the way people operate their lives, whether they wear face coverings or not, things are being done in what appears to be a rather haphazard fashion and they're also being done on the fly at the 11th hour. And it's just, it's, it, as I say, there's not this action, this, this act of people having confidence that the next decision is going to be something that's going to be good news. It's almost always the dread, okay, what are you going to do next?
1: All right. Two more things I want to ask you here, Rick. Uh, one, when does this mask enforcement go into effect? Uh, Friday afternoon, 5 o'clock. So not even immediately? No, no. <sighs> Friday at My. 5 what? Okay. So, <laughs> I mean, so be,
3: so be careful. Next week, we'll right, right. Be, really wa- careful. Watch your
1: weekend. <laughs> right, um, and then and then my my other question is uh, today, and this is more inside baseball stuff. But I mean, Carolina Journal, uh, which Rick is editor in chief of, has not been called on by the governor. I think maybe once or, or not at all in these press conferences. We well, turn well, to night. today and we're allowing follow-up questions in the press con when the hell did this happen because again it's not it's not bad enough our brethren in the tv media get to throw the underhand slow pitch softball but they got to throw two today
3: yeah uh, that started about a week ago when they started allowing follow-ups um uh, but yes yeah, still we are not uh we're not allowed and, and we're we're uh i find out there are other organizations that are being shut out as well from this sure. so we're not alone but they're but they also uh, Tend to be the ones who are the more nonprofit, non-mainstream publications.
1: So there you go. Mm. Uh, we keep uh, hey, trying.
2: <laughs> I, I, I
1: know you will. Hey, Rick, thank you for doing this. I, I appreciate it very, very much. And uh, you know, we just wanted to give the folks uh, some insight into to this decision today, uh, which again appears to be made uh, un- under what set of facts? Who knows? Haphazardly, most certainly. Thank you, Rick. Hey, Patrick, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. All right, there he goes. Rick Henderson with us here, Carolina Journal. Uh, We'll grab a quick break. Uh, We'll come back. Uh, ECU has named a new volleyball coach. We'll tell you a little bit about that uh, later on in the uh, hour. Uh, Plus, Brian Mull will be with us a little later in the hour. Uh, A lot of audio from the uh, Bubba Wallace uh, and uh, fallout from yesterday. So we'll have some of that audio for you coming up in just a few moments here. Stay with us.
0: You can now listen to 94-3 the game anywhere, anytime. That's a bold statement. Listen to us on your smart speaker. Simply ask Alexa or Google to stream WRHD and connect with us at home, work, or anywhere. We're on TuneIn Radio at 94.3 The Game. So take us anywhere you go. The Patrick Johnson Show. He's
3: the perfect stud muffin. He's a
0: menace to society. Every weekday at 5 on 94.3 The Game.
1: I'm being serious when I ask this. Uh, by the way, the veto override uh, of the governor not allowing uh, gyms to reopen uh, has uh, has failed sixty-six fifty-three, so it needed sixty percent majority to. Uh, uh to uh open let me let me actually becky gray just tweeted this house override vote on the uh house bill that opens bars extending restaurant outdoor seating fails so that's the one that uh that failed again it needed uh, three-fifths of a, a majority and it fell short okay um but but my question you know if, if the need to wear these masks are so urgent why not go ahead and require them to be in effect you know starting tomorrow or today i mean i would think at this point somebody most everybody has some kind of covering. Somebody has some kind of fabric they could wear. I just don't understand why they're waiting till 5 o'clock if it's so urgent. They should have done this a long while ago. And it's because of this just indecision and chaos that, I mean, again, you have real people out there uh, who are business owners and employees hurting right now. And there just seems to be no no care about that whatsoever. Um let's get to the, uh, the Bubba Wallace, uh, stuff. Of course, this broke while we were on the air yesterday that, uh, it winds up as it's a, a case of the rope that was hanging in the garage was just a coincidence. It was the, uh, old, uh, as you would uh, say, um, you know, pull string. And, though they are fashioned into a handle, I've seen knots at the end of them, just a ratty piece of string there. Um, you know, old garages have them. Fancy electric garages do not, but, uh, you know, old garages have them. And, uh, boy, the media. I mean, stuff I saw, stuff that was apparently screenshotted and sent to me or forwarded to me. I'm not talking national media, MSNBC, Jamel Hill, who we'll we'll hear from here. I'm talking about people in our own state, uh, in the media, or people that have worked in this market and moved on in TV to other markets. I mean, it's, it was a pretty weird display to see that from those people. It really, really was. And it's like again, they really just wanted this to be, uh, you know, you. If you're a a conservative politically, if you are someone who supports the president, if you like NASCAR, uh, if you're Caucasian, it's almost like they wanted that to be the case. I mean, there were people. Ben, correct me if I'm wrong, were there not people in the media, friends of ours in the media? Denying what the FBI had reported, you're absolutely in their correct. Media. I saw it. I saw it. Mean you saw it. It's unreal. Real I mean, now you and I talked about this. I've talked about this with other people. A, a couple of things here. It's dangerous. You know, it's one thing for the media to root for this to be somebody that works in NASCAR or somebody who's a NASCAR fan, but I mean, for for Bubba Wallace, who we're going to hear from here in a, in a minute, to kind of in you know, feel like that this was a news that that means he's accusing people who are at the highest level of their profession that yes, he does compete against them week in and week out race in and race out. But he also is a guy, I mean, that, that garage in a sense is like a locker room in, in a way, or it's like a clubhouse, you know, where guys on the PGA tour, I mean, there's a, a certain camaraderie that those people have. You're talking about people who are professionals at the highest level of their profession that you're accusing. Of being uh, the people that were behind this, now it sounds like if you're Bubba Walls, I, I thought maybe Bubba's stuff comments were taken out of context, but they they were not. So let's play the CNN cut. Now he was on with Don Lemon, who. Well, let's just play the cut.
4: I've uh, I've been racing all my life. I've, we've we've raced out of hundreds of garages that uh, never had garage pools like that. So people that want to call it a garage pool and put out. Old videos and photos of, of, of knots being um, in, uh, in 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 their, as their evidence. Go ahead, but from the evidence that we have um, and that I have, uh, it's a straight up noose. The FBI has stated it was a noose over and over again. NASCAR leadership has stated that it was a noose. I can confirm that. I actually got evidence of what was hanging in my garage over my car, around my picker guys, to confirm that it was a noose and never seen anything
1: like it. If he does have evidence, if he's going to continue to make this accurate, he should release it. Absolutely, he should release it. If he has something that is is against what the FBI is saying and what's been determined, by all means, release it. But instead, he's choosing to kind of cast stones at people in his profession who had nothing to do with this. And NASCAR has failed everybody here. They really have uh, on the Dan Patrick show heard earlier today. This is uh, Wallace responding to people who claim the incident was a hoax. And let me just say this. It was not, this is not a, a juicy Smollett situation. I mean, this is a, this was not a hoax. This was, as I said, coincidence, a rope being there, but th- this is, it's, it's ignorant to say that this was any kind of a hoax or set up like you had with Smollett. Now Bubba's comments to CNN aren't helping people who believe that. Uh, but this is what he told DP
4: earlier today. Well, uh, sorry if I come off as I'm pissed off uh, in our interview, but I am just because of, of of how it's been portrayed and how it's been on me. And I'm sitting here telling you the facts of how I'm just being told information and and, and kind of following suit. And, and uh, now all of a sudden I'm playing the victim card. But, you know, I, I never wanted to be – you know, carrying the weight of all this, even weeks prior uh, to to all this madness. It just so happens that I am the voice. I am the face. I am the one that, that is, you know, carrying this message. And and now to have this happen uh, and and end up not being a, an act, a hateful act towards me, which is great. um, But it just adds that much more drama, that much more pressure that, again, I didn't ask for, I didn't want to be a part of, but I have to somehow navigate my way through it all and keep my mindset on the task at hand, which is we got two races coming up this weekend at Pocono. Um,
1: it's tone much different than it was on CNN in a lot of ways. And again, I, I, there's no way you could think this is, is a hoax. We're, we're, we're up against it on time here. We want to get to Brian Mull. Um, we might have uh, some of the other things. Uh, the Jamel Hill stuff is just... Uh, I, it's hard to listen to, and I don't even know if we should air it. Uh, but I mean, again, I think it, it is a great, indi- it's a, it's a great illustration aud- from an audio standpoint of people in media that wanted this and still, in some ways, want this to to fall on a, a stereotypical NASCAR kind of fan or just a stereotypical Southerner. And, uh, and when I say stereo, I mean that they've created an image they've created. I mean, nobody, the vast majority of the, of the world does not have this kind of hate in, in their heart. They're being accused of. And I, and I really think you're going to start to see people take tremendous exception to this. Uh, let's uh, uh, grab that uh, break before we do. Ben Byram with an update. We've got a brand new uh, volleyball coach at ECU. Ben will tell you about that. We'll uh, look forward to talking to him, I'm told, next week at some point. Uh, but right now, Ben with an update, and then we'll talk some golf with Brian Mull. Thanks,
5: Patrick. Ben Byer, here for your 94 Through the Game Sports Update. ECU has named their new volleyball head coach and Adler Augustine. Augustine previously coached at Stephen F. Austin and has led them to two conference championships and a pair of NCAA tournament appearances. The American Athletic Conference has released band and spirit guidelines for the 2020 athletic seasons. The guidelines state that no visiting bands or spirit squads will be allowed in venues, no on-field pre- performances for the home team's band, and no spirit squads on the field to start the season. The guidelines also state that these guidelines are to be given another look as stadium restrictions begin to be lifted. Baseball is officially back as players agreed to health and safety protocols for a 60-game season and have agreed to report to their home stadiums for training camp July 1st. Opening day for the 2020 season is said to be either July the 23rd or July the 24th. Meanwhile, a major star from the Colorado Rockies, Charlie Blackman, tests positive for the coronavirus along with two other Rocky players reported that two of the three are asymptomatic while the other is experiencing symptoms. Whether Charlie Blackman is asymptomatic or experiencing experiencing symptoms is still unclear. Another player decides to forego the rest of the 2020 season in the NBA. This time it's the Lakers' Avery Bradley who claims he's leaving for family reasons. Lakers President Rob Polinka and prominent agent Rich Paul claim that J.R. Smith is a top candidate to replace Bradley and reunite with LeBron. Denver Nuggets star center Nikolai Jochik has tested positive for the coronavirus after visiting Serbia. He's currently asymptomatic and is expected to be cleared to return to Denver within a week. In the NHL, the 2020 Hockey Hall of Fame class was announced and one significant omission is sparking outrage on social media. Carolina Hurricanes head coach and former player Rod Brendamore was not included in this year's class. Brendamore is captain of the 2006 Stanley Cup Championship team and won the Selk Trophy as the best defensive forward in the NHL. As we approach the Travelers Championship this weekend, the fourth ranked golfer in the world, Brooks Kepka, is withdrawn from the tournament after his caddy test positive for the coronavirus. Fear 94 through the Game Sports Update i am Ben been Brian Moe talking golf with the P-Man after this
0: quick timeout. You can now listen to 94.3 The Game anywhere, anytime. That's a bold statement. Listen to us on your smart speaker. Simply ask Alexa or Google to stream WRHD and connect with us at home, work, or anywhere. We're on TuneIn Radio at 94.3 The Game. So take us anywhere you go. Here we go. We're back. Back to the P-Man. This is the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. The flagship station of the ECU Pirates.
1: My man Ben is getting his uh, rock and roll Jones today, I believe, right? My big rock and roll guy. What can I say? Wow. I vetoed you on the opening. And uh, you're hitting me back with... Uh, lots of rock music let me at least get one in let me get one in if you want um i wanted to uh update our twitter poll here we got a lot of uh reaction there uh we've got a new one up first of all the poll from yesterday we appreciate chris hughes being on with us uh kind of giving his take on whether we'll have uh, the, uh, fall high school sports season and particularly high school football started on time. Ben, what was the result of, uh, of, uh, that question on our, uh, poll on Twitter at, uh, nine, four, three, the game.
5: Okay. So we put up, will there be a high school football season in-, in NC this year? We had yes. Full season. Yes. Partial season or no. The leading answer was yes. Partial season with 38.1% followed by no with 32%. And then yes, a full season with 29.9%, so a little bit of a photo finish there. People are a little
1: divided. It's divided three ways. We've got another three-way option today. Uh, What's the uh, Twitter poll that's up right now? Ben, we we have the Twitter
5: poll. Which sport are you most looking forward to returning and starting next month? We have MLB, NBA, and NHL. The overwhelming leader right now is MLB with 59.1%, followed by the NHL with 27.3%, then the NBA
1: with 13.6%. So it's what sport are you looking forward to restarting or starting next month? You got it. MLB, NHL, NBA. Uh, vote. We'll give you the results on the poll uh, tomorrow. But uh, vote early, vote often on uh, that. Let's turn our attention uh, to golf. There's been uh, some announcements today uh, that uh, the event up at the Hartford, Brooks Kepka, Graham McDowell, uh, withdrawing over coronavirus concerns. We'll give you some more details on that in a bit. Let's turn to Brian Mull now from uh, the Caddy Network. I'm sure this uh, news has probably changed, Brian, some of the uh, uh, odds uh, that you do when uh, with that column you put out on Wednesdays before the event. Uh, but let's start about, let's kind of pick up from what happened last week, talk about a, a, a guy with uh, connections to Greenville and certainly a North Carolinian and, and Webb Simpson who won last week down at Hilton Head. Um, you know, he's... Obviously, Webb's got family in Greenville. His grandmother uh, was here. Uh, he uh, uh, has uh, an uncle here, his cousins. I believe I went to uh, school with his cousins uh, growing up. So uh, Webb Simpson's got roots all over uh, all over this great state. And I just want to ask you, do you think, you know, when we talk about great players in the game, uh, you have Rory and, and Spieth and pretty Ricky Fowler gets a lot of credit. Uh, Kepka. Uh, all kinds of, of these sort of young up-and-coming players. DJ as well. Do we give enough credit to Webb Simpson? Do we talk about him enough? Webb,
6: with his play over the last year, uh, really dating back to the players, um, is a guy who, who is worthy of inclusion in that group, uh, both with his uh, current rankings, fifth in the world, first in the FedEx Cup, 68.8 scoring average which is uh you know wow <laughs> that's pretty good uh, every time he, he's pegging it he's not having too many bad rounds and when you look at his results uh what what to me always separates the guys that I consider the elite 10 or 15 guys in, in professional golf is that their bad weeks are so much better than everybody else's if you want to call it a bad week right in that You know, you look at Justin Thomas the last two weeks, and watching him play, he visibly did not have his A game. You know, either week, kind of had a rough Sunday at Colonial, yet he had two top ten finishes. Right. And that's why he's one of the top players in the world. You know, he shot 63 on Sunday at Harbortown because he's capable of doing that at any time. You know, and, And when you look at Webb, I mean, he's just a machine as far as shooting rounds in the 60s and finishing high. He has one bad finish in this season. And that is a, uh, you know, he played poorly in the, in the world event in Mexico. But other than that, he has two, two wins. He was a member of the winning President's Cup team. He finished third in Hawaii, missing a, a, barely missing a putt on the last hole that would have put him in a playoff there. He finished second uh, back in the fall at Sea Island and uh, also had top 10 in Las Vegas where he shot four rounds of 68 or better. So, you know, he had some interesting comments after his win on Sunday. Uh, about three years ago you know he at that point he had won in some tournaments and and had in the you know top 30 consistently and been in the fedex cup playoffs consistently but he he booked at his game and kind of broke it down from mental the physical uh fitness and 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 tried to improve in every area and kudos to him for doing that because he could have just cruised along and made a lot of money and had a great career otherwise but he he wanted he wanted to put himself in that in that class and he's put the work in to do that. And now he's starting to reap the, you know, the benefits of that.
1: This is going to sound, um, uh, kind of an odd question, perhaps. Brian Mull, Caddy Network and other outlets, uh, joining us here talking golf. How is Webb viewed by his his contemporaries, the guys he's out there with now? I think they have a lot of respect for him. You know, if you grew up in North Carolina
6: and been around and, you know, he, he was a name that you, you started hearing about Webb when he was in his teens from various people. And, and, and the one thing I, that would always stand out to me is he was shooting ridiculously low scores at a very young age. And he continued to do that, obviously, and had a great career at Wake Forest. And when he was, when he was at Wake Forest and, and he was winning a lot in the ACC and consistently, and, and, and I asked an assistant golf coach that, whose team competed against him regularly, I said, what, what separates him? And he says, he's, he's got more guts than everybody else. He's got more self-belief. He's got more guts and um, to look at what he did, you know, they took away the anchored putting Mm -hmm. and certainly he struggled, you know, for a while adjusting to that. And it could have been a career killer. It has been for other guys or certainly set them way back. And, you know, again, to his credit, he found a way he worked and, uh, you know, found this way of of running the shaft up the left arm and using the claw grip. And I mean, he is now an elite putter with a, a completely different method than the one he had used since going back to his college days. So, Uh, I think they have a lot of respect for him. I think he's a guy that they would love to have as a partner in in any of the, you know, President's Cup or Ryder Cup. And I think he's proven that he's a guy with, uh, when you look at the way he won in Phoenix, birdieing the last two holes and then birdieing the playoff hole. And then when you look at the way he closed on Sunday at Hilton Head, um, that's not a guy that they want to face, you know, coming down the stretch because he he can absolutely heat up with the putter and uh, birdie. You know, just going these birdie stretches on the back nine on Sunday, which is what separates the winners from the guys that don't.
1: Webb Simpson goes off at uh, the Travelers tomorrow uh, at 7:45 a.m. Our guy Harold Varner go off in the afternoon, uh, closer to two, one fifty p.m. time for uh, HV3. Uh, I I transition out of the web conversation to some HV3 thoughts. In that you and I talked about this the other uh, day. Uh, Webb Simpson had also a pretty decorated, uh, amateur career, Harold Varner's path to all this was a little different. And I, I don't want to say Harold's behind the curve, but he maybe didn't have those experiences, you know, in his youth, if you will, that, uh, Webb Simpson and a lot of other guys, uh, had before they turned professional. Agreed.
6: And, uh, the big part of that to me is getting in contention and, and, and learning how to win, um that you know, that's something that, that a lot of these guys would have included who who just won at all levels, you know, whether it was the junior level, amateur college, and then certainly uh, you know, figured out how to win fairly early in their PGA tour career. And uh Harold just didn't have as much of that amateur seasoning as, as some guys and uh certainly gotten contention some when he was on what is now the Corn Ferry Tour and uh, has has been able to do that a little more frequently here in the last year or two on the p g a tour but i think uh it's still adjusting you know and and i think everybody is on their own path in golf and um you know he he has he's shown with the putter a little bit on the weekends that he's a little tight uh maybe trying to force it a little bit and I think that's just something that comes with experience with coming you know with with putting yourself in that position repeatedly which with his ball striking he should be able to do on a consistent basis week in and week out. And uh, then just figuring out, you know, having a hot potty ground on a Saturday or Sunday would mean the world to him right now for his confidence. Um, he just needs to go out and do it one time, and that's just something he's going to have to continue to work, you know, with his with his coaches and work, work and just have a lot of belief in himself on the weekend. That's, that's just what it kind of appears from a distance, you know, on the weekends maybe he hasn't had quite the belief that he does. And, and if he misses a short putt at some point, it kind of has a negative effect on him for the rest of the round. But, uh, you know, nobody has a better attitude than Harold and that, that'll, that'll, you know, he'll, he'll get, he'll get through this. And I think he's a, he's going to be a guy that's going to start contending more frequently.
1: Uh, we've got Brian Mull with us uh, here, uh, speaking of Webb Simpson, uh, some odds makers have him 20 to one to win, uh, the travelers up in uh, Hartford this weekend. Uh, Brian, who do you like, uh, Rory, uh, Bryson DeChambeau, Justin Thomas is another guy who is, seems like he's always there, uh, are, are according to some odds makers, kind of the favorite, uh, who, who are you looking at going into the week, going into the week? I'm
6: infatuated with DeChambeau. Like, okay, here's a guy that came out on tour and, and, uh, as the, as the scientist, uh, doing things his own way, all of his irons, the same length, which nobody has ever done, you know, and, uh, just just really going about it one way and and certainly had a tremendous amount of success early in his career doing that, both at the amateur and and PGA tour level. And now he has transformed himself into something completely different. The longest driver that we've ever seen in the history of the PGA tour, including John Daly in his prime, including Tiger Woods in his prime. And I think when you, when you look at his ability with the rest of his game, when you look at how he's done these last two weeks on golf courses that are not really considered bombers paradises in any respect, I mean, colonial and Harbor Town are, are much more old school precision type layouts, get the ball in the fairway and hit the greens. I think once we see Bryson on a golf course where he can really unleash the driver this week, being one of those, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, it's going to be fascinating to see what, what he can do. And um, I think, I mean, you know, I mean, he had a drive yesterday on track, man, 365 yards in the air. I mean, that's just absurd. And uh, the ability to just dominate and overpower golf courses from there. uh, Admittedly, he hadn't even putted well the last couple of weeks, and yet still has had a couple of top ten finishes. So, I mean, I think he he is on the short list of favorites Anytime he tees it up uh, for right now. I certainly like Joaquin Neiman. Um, I think uh, I watched him at the Masters a couple of years ago, right mm-hmm. before he turned pro. He was the number one amateur in the world. Of course, he's already won on tour, had a great week last week. I think he's someone uh, that, that's going to be around and be an elite player for, for many, many years, uh, only 21 years old. And, and, and then Abraham Answer who uh, in 72 holes last week only missed seven greens in regulation at Town, which is yeah almost as ridiculous as DeChambeau's 365-yard drive. Uh <laughs> Uh, you know he's been on he's been on a nice upward trend.
1: Uh, HV three, by the way, according to this one uh, uh, odds maker, I'm looking at one fifty to one. Uh, since we were just talking about him, okay. Uh, why wouldn't you? Yeah, one fifty to one. Yeah, yeah, why wouldn't you? Why not? Right, Brian. Do you like the players being mic? I do.
6: Yeah, I've enjoyed these last couple of weeks. Uh, you know, certainly. I, I you know it, it's a different deal without the fans being there, but I've enjoyed being able to pick up on some of these conversations. Webb and his caddy Paul. story Sunday afternoon coming down the 72nd hole there next to the Calabogie Sound at Harvard Town, and they're talking about the tide, you know, and, <laughs> and, talking
0: about,
6: and talking about adjustment they need to make for next year with the way they've charted the golf course. And, I mean, those are just insightful things that we ordinarily wouldn't hear because we'd hear fans in the background or maybe the announcers trying to talk a little bit too much, and I think they're giving these guys the space now, uh, you know, with the boom mics there. I don't think we have to mic them up per se, because I think then it might be a little sterile. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think just with the boom mics and yeah, we may pick up the occasional word that, uh, you know, you wouldn't want your children to repeat on, but um, at the same time, I think it's well worth it on the other side to just kind of get inside their brains a little bit, see their processes. And these are things that are not only interesting, but can help the average golfer in the way that they attack a golf course.
1: Hey, Brian, thanks a lot. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Patrick. Uh, there he goes Brian Mull. Oh gosh. do you see this Ben? What's that? I just looked I just looked up at my screen. Uh, boy Brian's gone. I wish we could get him back. Um, Webb Simpson is withdrawn from the event at Hartford this week. Wow that that, that that's big right there. Yeah. Uh, he joins Burke Kepka and Graham Brooks Kepka and Graham McDowell. Now with the case of McDowell and Kepka, they're caddies. Had tested positive for COVID-19. Cameron Champ is withdrawn from the event. And then Nick Watley was not going to play in the event. He had been last week. Uh, one that had tested positive in South Carolina. Wow. Some big so, names in there. Yeah, no. There's a couple major winners with Kepka and uh, Webb Simpson, quite obviously. Graham McDowell, a very good player. Oh, gracious. Interesting. Interesting. Okay, uh, we will take a timeout, come back, and uh, we'll go uh, over odds to win the World Series
0: and more when we return. You can now listen to 94.3 The Game anywhere, anytime. That's a bold statement. Listen to us on your smart speaker. Simply ask Alexa or Google to stream WRHD and connect with us at home, work, or anywhere. We're on TuneIn Radio at 94.3 The Game, so take us anywhere you go. Back to the show. It's all coming back. The Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game.
1: Uh, congratulations, Adler Augustine, the new ECU volleyball coach. I'm told we're going to have him uh, at some point next week, and uh, it will be a little bit of a shortened week as we're going to have some uh, away time off for the uh, Independence Day holiday and a little beyond. Uh, big guest announcement next week, and uh, we'll kind of give you the, the layout of what our shows are going to look like and all of that. Uh, best World Series odds, according to Fox Bet: Yankees plus 350, Dodgers plus 375, then Houston, Atlanta, Washington, Minnesota, Tampa Bay, Philly, St. Louis, and then uh, my Cubbies and your Mets. Uh, tenth on this list, tied plus 2200 how convenient I'll tell you this uh, somebody's gonna wind up I mean obviously with 16 teams in the playoffs that does create a uh, you know a a little bit of a a shortened uh, or an opportunity for a lot of teams but this shortened season just the the race to get in as one of those 16 teams and with seating and all that I mean if you're one of these teams that the schedule doesn't fall favorably you don't have people that are healthy your pitching is not very good to start? I mean, sixty games—you can find yourself with a bad seat or maybe on the outside looking in. Uh, some of these teams have so much talent it won't—they'll be able to overcome it and get in at sixteen. But you know what I'm saying, don't you? It could be really tough. Uh, big thanks to uh, Rick Henderson. Big thanks to uh, Brian Mall Thanks to Ben Byram. Uh, back tomorrow with some more uh, sports talk, locally and beyond. We will uh, catch you then. Have a great evening.